Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the podcast, my podcast, Marquee Listens. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul. Um, say hello. Hello. And um, we have a number of topics that we will be covering this podcast, um, but thank you for anybody who is listening to this, and hopefully you will enjoy what we have to say. Those of you who listened on the first part of the podcast, part of the part of the reason I started the podcast was about... Uh, was to try to engage some, uh, try to engage people in having difficult conversations, difficult conversations and or awkward conversations. In the weeks and months ahead, I will be um, inviting different guests of different backgrounds and different points of view to engage me in different conversations about their points of view of different things and letting them get their point of view out and their perspectives out. And a lot of these people who I'm starting out with with are friends. They are trusted allies. They are people who know that I approach this with no judgment. A lot of times it's curiosity. Some of it is hopefully to change minds and hearts, but you can only change your own mind. Um, if But at least provide some, uh, some more information in order for people to make a more informed decision. Um, even myself. So that being said, uh, one of the things things that we wrote in our notes was that Paul wanted to talk about having a um, a difficult conversation with or an awkward conversation with what did you say an, a new office dynamic. So tell us a little bit about that. So we were recently acquired by a new company, and so we're transitioning into a new office, and that office has about twelve people, twelve to fifteen people. Yes. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do, or is that... It's not pertinent to the it's conversation. Not no, okay. it's not. Um, and so uh, I am coming with two other off, uh, co-workers and uh, colleagues, and so we're moving into that office, and we're slowly moving into that office, and we've spent a few days there, here and there. And we have come to the conclusion that, um, you know, it's not as easy. I mean, we've definitely worked in other offices over time, and now joining an office of 12, uh, there's a lot of personalities, a lot of different ways of doing things, not to say they're right or wrong, but they're different than what we've been doing. And uh, all these different personalities, um, different speaking tones and how they move, maneuver the office and uh, their urgency in handling uh, issues or items or different patients, it's just different to us. And so I'm looking to, I'm, I'm the one that would uh, at, at some point initiate a conversation. And I already have actually initiated a conversation with a few people, um, casually if I can, uh, to address certain things I've seen in the office where I know that a certain person will maybe want to talk to me or others in the office about just their personal life or how things relate to them versus actually addressing a patient in a waiting room um, where my colleagues and I would really just handle the patient, you know, right then and there, limit the talking if at all, and then talk to each other after the fact, after they're gone or when there's a moment that's more appropriate. So you're in a position right now where you are dealing I asked that. I asked earlier if you wanted to talk about what you do. It's not particularly relevant, but you do have to give us some context that you're dealing with patients, with medical information. How appropriate is it to have a personal conversation? Because not everybody has that same realm of experience. So that's why I approached it from that. But go ahead. Okay. No, I understand that. And so, and, and just, you know, if a person is, a, we've all been patients at some point in our lives. And so if you're a patient in a waiting room, you're already sick of waiting in the general waiting area which is designed for, and then you're sick of waiting in the personalized waiting room, 
and you're waiting to see what's going on and you're assuming that they're that they're discussing you with a higher up with a doctor someone in charge of something you're you're not you're not guessing and you're hopeful that they're not discussing their own personal lives and their own issues amongst each other or wasting time or dilly-dallying and so i don't want that to be an item where someone overhears something and they're like well I could have been I could have been out of here in fifteen minutes or a half hour or an hour, if not that you were discussing something else. And so I want to address that. I want to address that within the office as a whole, and not and not pick anyone out individually. Um, but I want to make sure that we're all aware of that. And it could just be that they've been doing that for so long that they're unaware of it, um, and that's their personality. But we need to, excuse me, remind ourselves that we're in an office, and that's just the way that we should conduct ourselves. So, as you were talking about that, I just wrote down three quick things that I want to, I want you to give us, give me your perspective, and then I'll give you my perspective on, because it relates to the conversation. First one is, um, you having this conversation with your coworker and or new coworkers, um, well, I'll just, I'll just say the bullets. First is previous office culture. What did their previous office culture look like, and how does that inform how they move about this particular space, right? That's number one. Number two is previous social culture. A lot of times, people who have a different um, way of moving about the office or moving about their eight-hour days, myself included, speak to their friends differently, speak to their uh, family differently. Sometimes they're even from a different country. So give us a little bit of background about that. And the third thing is the standard of professionalism. And I have a very specific uh, standard of professionalism that has evolved over time. And I'm curious about you have you seem to have a very particular idea also about what should and should not be done. Side note, you should also tell us that before uh, maybe maybe two or three last two jobs or three jobs that you've had, you have been in a medical medical profession or medical where you are dealing with patients. But before that, you didn't. So your perception of what is professional is has also evolved. I assume what you were um, how you would interact with customers in your last position in your non-medical position versus how um, people, how you interact with people who are in a medical position. So first, let's talk about a little bit about previous office culture and how, what your previous office culture is and what you, what your thoughts are about what their previous office culture was and how that informs how they move about the office or. (laughs) So our, our previous or, somewhat current office culture is I mean the fact that we all three of us are well two and a half two of us are are kind of private you know it takes a while for us to trust each other and understand that if we need help we're going to ask for it if we want to discuss something we will but for the most part we are private and so so when you just so I'm clear about what you say but what you mean by you're private private meaning this is my we're talking about office culture specifically this is my work i don't need you to know my work this is my private space i don't need you to know about what i'm doing is that what you mean well based on well in a sense based on my capacity i was i had to know everything i had to know everything that was going on but i knew that if my if my coworker was going through something personally i knew that i once i understood his personality i could leave him alone and know that if he didn't want to talk or he was quiet i knew that everything was okay 
but that was just his way of coping with his own personal issues, but he could still get the job done without issue. I knew that. I also knew that if he wanted to talk, he could talk to me about what was going on and that his work would not be affected. In this regard, this new person or these new people that I'm dealing with now or working with, they seem to be very, very extremely conversational amongst each other and not so much the patients in a way where they are creating an urgency in the office to do what needs to be done to expedite the fact that we have a busy schedule and that people need to be in and out to um, be cognizant of the schedule. So if we have a, if we have six patients coming in and every 15 minutes someone's coming in for a quick item, not every, not every person should be here for a half hour or 45 minutes just because we want to talk or figure out where something is or shoot the stuff with Breeze. someone. Yes. Uh, with someone. Uh, we need to be aware that the schedule is there for a reason and that if someone has an appointment, just like if you have an appointment somewhere, you want the office staff, wherever you're going, to be aware of your appointment and to be respectful of your time because while someone else may be very casual and laid back about it, the next person could be very militarized. I don't know what else to say there. Jesus. <laughs> In a sense where they are like to the letter to like, I need to be out of here at I got here at 1100. I need to be out of here at 1115. That's good. No, no. no because, so here's the thing. And, and I almost hate to interrupt you because, well, I'll let you finish the thought. Go ahead. And no, no please interrupt. Please interrupt. So, it's, so here's the thing about that, right? I think that in American culture, um, particularly when it comes to going to a doctor's office, not a person in America expects to go into a doctor's office and be like, oh, from 11 to 11.15, that's the time. And at 11.16, if I am not out at 11.16, then I'm charging you, doctor. Nobody expects that. Of course And so I say that to say, I hear what you're saying. I absolutely understand it. And, And I go back and forth about sometimes I don't like I don't want my doctor and or PA or whoever it is to be too militarized. I want them to be like, well, how's it going? Like, are you okay? And not only how are you doing physically, but sometimes my my mental or emotional capacity could lead me to, well, my stomach hurts or I'm very nervous about whatever it is. So I want them to engage me in at least a little bit of banter. Sure, bedside manner is perfect. That's appropriate. I understand that. So, have at it. Go ahead. You know, and of course, there is some latitude there and there, and of course, no one expects that. We all hope for it, but we know it's probably not going to happen. That's understandable. But I just want them to be more aware of it where, you know, just yesterday, actually, or just today, we had a patient waiting for about maybe a half hour in a room. Nothing else was going on. That was really the only, only had two patients in the office. There were four of us that could have easily handled the, the what he wanted, uh, medication-wise, uh, conversation-wise. But the guy in charge of it was really just walking around having, not walking around, but sort of Filling, refilling the medication and having a conversation, but to where the conversation would stop him from doing what he needed to do. I'm all for multitasking. If you can handle that and not everyone can, that's all great. That's for you, but that's not his thing. And so I need him to know that if you can't multitask, I also then need everyone else to be like, okay, does he have a patient? What's he doing? Why is he doing medication? We should all be aware, or at least more than one of us should be aware that he has a patient, a patient is here, and that he needs to do the medication and that the conversation can be put on hold for a moment unless it relates to that patient 
in some medical capacity. Well, let's ask our listeners to drop down in the comments or wherever it is. Maybe you send me an email or a quick chat to uh, give us a little bit of advice on how how the, how we can help Paul to broach this awkward or difficult conversation. Um, I have a I have an, a couple of ideas, but I am interested in what my listeners have to say. Um, so anyway, the next part of the conversation was, or at least the next part of the notes that I wrote down was previous social culture. Tell us a little bit about what your previous social culture so social culture is. I have a, a very specific idea of what it is, but I'm curious about how you would classify that and how it informs your professional culture in the office. Sure. I mean, I think that pretty much mirrors my, my professional culture as well. I've Over time, I've been more and more open, I think, over time, over years, the few years. Certainly evidenced in our last podcast when you talked about um, what you... Do, do not classify as a disability. Sure. But that's not something that you would have uh, talked about publicly or even with me in pre- years past. Sure. That makes, so. That's 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 fair. Yeah. Um, so, pr- excuse me. Socially, I mean, I think I've always been sort of private to where I keep in what I I feel like I I don't want to share with anyone, um, and if I want to share it, I will share it. But it it, it can take a bit of prying to get some information out of me and, and maybe it was a lot harder back, you know, let's say a few years ago or years ago. Um, and I, I feel like I carry that and that mirrors my, um, that that's my same perception of work. And if not more actually, because these are people that I work with, I don't necessarily trust just yet. And it's kind of a friendship. It's a relationship. You definitely spend a lot of time at work. You spend hours upon hours at work every day. And I want to make sure that, um, who I'm speaking to or entrusting with certain information you know, it's not someone that's going to use it against me or that I, I can trust with. Do you think that your previous social culture informs, or let me, it, you already said it informs, but how much, like, let's say on a, on a scale from 1% to 100%, how much does your social culture inform your office culture and does it inform, does it inform and or um, uh, persuade your, for lack of a better word, persuade how you, what you expect of others. Because I know that, personally, I know how I am, and I know that my social culture does inform my office culture, but I, I can't impose that to, to a fairly large degree on somebody else. I, just, I, I definitely do on both accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely do, and that's because just dealing with property management and dental and now this, this men's clinic. Uh, so you were in property management before. And dental before. Yes. And now you're in some sort of a men's clinic. Correct. Okay. Uh, I feel like in any capacity of medical or just anything we're dealing with customer service in the public at large, you definitely want to pers- you definitely want to have the perception that you are professional. You will keep their you will keep their entrusted secrets private and 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 and, and quiet. Um, I know that in dealing with people and the, and the fact that I the way I've seen certain individuals in, in this new office conduct themselves, I feel as though while they may have a prior relationship with the patient, which is why they can talk the way they talk or interact the way they talk or take their time or do whatever it is that they're doing that maybe I find somewhat offensive or inappropriate, that just may be how they've connected over time and that could be perfectly fine for them. I have to understand that and work my way in and understand that myself. But I too want to have a conversation because... I feel like unless I really have an understanding of that office or that culture or how those patients interact, 
I then won't fit in and I'll be the outsider. So do you think, so you're, uh, just so that uh, you probably, I don't know if we should have started this at, at the beginning, but are you a person going into a new office or is the new office coming to you? Or uh, I, I'm, I'm trying I'm, to understand the dynamic. I'm going into a new office and so I'm joining a team of 12. So you're with the company already. You're going into a new office. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so I, and, and my role will be a leadership role. And so I have to understand, I want to understand, and I feel like I should understand the personalities of each individual in the office. Uh, maybe not immediately, but over time, but essentially, uh, eventually, or excuse me, at least right now, the key players in the office, the ones that are the first contacts in the office, the ones that will have the most contact with patients to understand their roles, their personalities, and, and how they feel and what they know about the office and patients. Okay, so the next, the last bullet point that I wanted to talk about before we move on to something that I just wrote down is standard of professionalism. All of us have a, a different standard of professionalism. This is something that you touched on earlier. But why don't you, and I'll, I'll add to it, but I, I want you to list five things that you, and these are off the cuff, we have not had this conversation before, five things that you would say are the minimum standard of, uh, of office professionalism. doesn't even matter that you're in whatever it, office that you're in now, but like, what would you say is the minimum standard of office professionalism? Five things. A minimum. Off the, off, just off the cuff. Uh, definitely appearance. Um, language. As in just, uh, that would include tone, actual language, uh, eye contact, um, tact, timeliness, and one more, I would say uh, empathy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um I'll answer, but also you gave us some broad strokes and then you gave us some some sort of very specific. So the first thing you talked about was appearance. Elaborate, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the office... Um, a standard. A, a standard. I, I, I don't know if I can give a standard, uh, but I just, okay, let's say if, if it requires clean shaven or not even clean shaven, just if you're going to facial hair, just make sure it's, it's you're well-groomed. Um, you know, if there is a uh, a body odor or a smell of some kind, it's it's handled or resolved. Um, I feel like not everybody knows that they smell. No, of course not. But it's up to no, us. Of course not. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you know. I'm moving on to the next thing. Um, Listen, no, no, no. Let's just pause here for a moment because I mean, I've had many instances where. I feel like somebody is in the office, nobody at my current office, but like in my previous offices, like that person has either body odor or breath odor. And I don't know that it's like the minimum standard of professionalism. When I say the minimum, I'm saying, and maybe I should be more clear, when I say the minimum standard of, of, of professionalism, these are the five things that will that should get this person fired if they don't adhere to it. And to my mind, body odor or, you know, uh, bad breath shouldn't be a fireable offense, to my mind. Well, I guess that would also depend on the work, the workplace. Mm. If I'm in the dental field and you have halitosis, that should be something you need to address. 
Because you are then inflicting your issue. Is it, is it fireable though? I don't you, know if it's fireable. I, it's not. Well, in this society, maybe not. Sure. I don't know what actually is fireable unless you're like stealing or doing something that is like really just obvious. Okay. Um, but I feel like at a certain workplace, if you are. I, I feel like it depends. I can't think of anything that would classify as a minimum. Maybe you'll help, I'm sure you'll help me with that. Uh, but I'm just thinking of things that came to my mind as far okay. as. All right, what so. professional it will be professional at that time? Ballrooms, smell, anything else? Well, the three things I mentioned. I mentioned tact. I no, mentioned. no, no. I'm talking about appearance specifically. Okay, appearance. Just you know, uh, let's say that would include hair, uh, whether it's extensions, whether it's dreads, whether it's um, a color of hair, uh, the clothes, certain clothing for the work of, for the work for the work. Um, office uh or wherever you are working um but if we say yes (laughs) thank you i was lost there for a second if we say scrubs you know maybe you would think that one color is sufficient not three different colors i don't know if i agree with that well i'm not again but i'm just thinking you're shouting (laughs) because i'm not passionate about what i'm saying (laughs) even more so uh it doesn't look right and not to say that matters. Let me tell you something right it now. It doesn't. I'm not saying that matters. Me, and I'll move on. I'll, I'll take that. I'll scratch it from the list. Let me scratch it because it doesn't make sense. And that's just my opinion. Because there are. Uh, let me just say this. There are people who are listening who will be listening to this podcast right now who I work with who are like, I have animal print. Like, I'm, I have little bears on my scrubs. How dare you, And sir? they match. And that's fine. Okay. I'm talking about like a red, a pink, and an orange for some reason. And you do what you want to do. Okay. But you look like a clown. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to hush my mouth. These the, these opinions are not uh, my opinions. <laughs> the opinions of these co-hosts are not anybody else on this podcast. I'm not. Let's, and again, I want to clarify for the listening audience that this oh is not gosh. a fireable offense. I'm just saying there is some etiquette and some things you need to do in this society. Okay, so let me just say this. I didn't ask about etiquette. I asked about professionalism. I know what you asked. And I'm clarifying. Um, so I'll maybe I'll take off of appearance because I can't clarify that right now. No, being, I mean, without being offensive. Clear. No, no but I was being. Clear. No, but I don't. I want to make something that makes sense. Okay. And since I can't clarify that, I will scratch that from my list. Mm. Um, I apologize. Language. I apologize. So in the office, very easily, no cursing, okay. no cursing. If you're gonna curse, go to some cursing room that we have that we don't have. Not a cursing room. Go outside. <laughs> curse. So, so let me let me ask this because even that you would think that it'd be like a general standard, but some people don't consider certain certain things a curse. A curse word. Oh, excuse me. Of course not. But if I hear shit in the office, that's a curse word. But there, there are other people who would say like, and I've said this in the office. Jesus Christ! Some people say right. that that's a that's curse. Offen- right. right. That's right. offensive. Right. So I mean, where do we? But I'm going. Okay. So taking that one out of there. No. Go ahead. I'm going for shit. I'm going to f bombs. I'm going to damn it, which is really on the line. Mm-hmm. It's not really, you know, I'm going for those. So, so just, I mean, outline them for the listening audience because there's, we're looking at each other, but there are people who are listening right now. So we had shit. We had damn. We had F bombs. Okay. What and else? that was enough. That's enough for me. So I, I ass. Ass in an office. Sure. Okay. Unless you're on a farm. So you can say, so you ass is a no go, right? For me, my office correct. Okay. What about um, you said shit, damn f um, 
Um, so then the B word, sure, for sure. Okay, B word, right? Okay, so then those are the one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so five. So then you get into words that are not considered curse words, right? But they are generally offensive to the masses. So you got the N word. Right, of course. Right? In whatever iteration that you want to call it. Right. Ending with an A, ending with an ER, whatever it is. So no N word is what you're saying, right? The C word. Yeah. And by the by C. Ending with T. Got it. Right. Okay. No, because they, they, oh, I'm sure they. No, because there are two different N words. So the see you next Tuesday, right? C, the letter C, the letter U, the letter N for next, and the letter T. So see you next Tuesday. That's another one, right? So then the other C word is a derogatory term for um, Caucasian people or white people. Is that acceptable? I wouldn't think so. Nothing racially charged. Nothing racially no at all. racially charged. Right? Nothing at all. Okay. No, and I mean anything religious as well. Like you said, Jesus Christ earlier. Totally out of you know that's included. Um. So here is um. So here's the thing, right? And th- we are at forty-four minutes, so we should probably. I want to get touch on one, uh, finish this stuff, and then touch on one last topic, but. Even, oh my God, oh my God! I don't, I don't find, I myself don't find that offensive, but others will and can. But maybe it's just so being cognizant and saying, "Oh my gosh!" So okay, so or OMG, gosh, instead of God is what you're or saying. Or OMG, yes. Okay, or OMG, which, or oh, just oh my. Quite frankly, quite frankly, I find OMG more offensive. Like what? <laughs> like I need you to get out of your millennial ass. And, like, use a whole sentence. But that's just my own thing. Um, anything else that that you want to talk about as far as language goes? No, we've covered enough on that. One other thing. Um, there are, and I've had this happen in other instances, and maybe you've had it at your office. Um, you, you talked about racially charged. Or homophobic, I guess. Homophobic? Okay. That's another one. And then I'm done. What's that? And then that's it. Are you done? I am sorry. So here's a question, though. I assume that in your line of work, there are probably instances where people are, t- and I've had it even in my line of work, and I'm not even anywhere close to you, where people are making sexually charged comments. Hmm? And yes. so, I mean. Also inappropriate. So you think that's inappropriate? It definitely is. Yeah. If the wrong person should hear it, you know, whether the other, whether the entire office is with it, and the patients are with it. It takes one person to hear it and be like, no, this is not my office. I'm going to go to X, Y, and Z and complain. And the reason I bring this up is be- is particularly because, every, uh, as I said, everybody has a different standard of professionalism. I have had instances, not in my current office, where somebody has said, oh, well, I went out on a date and so-and-so happened. It just... Out in the audience, and I'm like, okay, is this work appropriate? Or let me just hush, because my standard of professionalism is different. Some people might say that a standard of professionalism varies from office to office, and as long as it is not affecting your actual work, your is it if is it if it's not preventing you from typing out that invoice, sending that Excel document, emailing that person, then it's all up for grabs. I don't subscribe to that. I'm just saying that yeah. it's interesting to hear a different point of view. 
understand. And since we're not really in the water cooler world anymore, right. and you don't, and if you want to, you know, converse with your friend on the side, and it's between the two of you, and it's quiet, and it's a whisper, you do whatever you want to do. But if it's not affecting your work and offending anybody else in any capacity, then it is what it is. Mm. Okay. Uh, tact. And we're going to cover these last few. Tact, timeliness, and empathy. Uh, I'll just lay yep. them out, and I'll let you go ahead. So tact, you know, just being able to discuss something with the patient in private while understanding that they are sensitive in whatever capacity they are or knowing that... Take a patient out of it. Okay. Knowing a a person and discussing whatever you're discussing with them um, with the utmost respect and understanding that they are there for a certain reason and discussing it in the the professional way where, to the best of your ability, you are not offensive. Give me give me two quick examples. One of taking patient out of it. I want you to give me an example of an instance where you have encountered a person who did not approach this situation with with tact, so they had no tact, and then give me the most tact. On the gun. Or a good example sure, of tact. Sure. Understood. Well, easier said. Uh, let's see. So let's say um, a patient. Today on the phone, let's say a phone I call. I said no patient. I'm uh, sorry, a person, a customer, a person, a human being that got a phone call today, um, that received a phone call that said, um, I had an issue with certain, I had an issue with something you gave me. And let's say, for example, um, a coworker of mine said, well, that can't be right because you must have used it wrong. I don't know if that's the best example. That's the one I can think of at the moment. Um, as opposed to saying or asking, well, you know, is it possible that this happened? Or can we bring you in for a reinstruction? I don't know if those are good examples or not. So here, here's, I'm saying don't use patient because a patient a doctor or a patient, if you're in a medical field, it's a, I, to my mind, it's a heightened level. So give me an example in your previous experience, non-medical, of a person who approached the situation with with no tact and then with a, a good amount of tact. Okay, I'm going to try to recall a property management experience uh, from years ago. I'm going to say, let's say it's rent time and my leasing consultant asks a pay, uh, excuse me, a resident. Uh, a, pay, a resident comes in, says, I paid a bill, I got a late fee. Standard, uh, standard thing. The leasing consultant says, well, did you pay on time? To which the, res- to which the resident would say, excuse me? That I pay on time. Right. Of course I paid on time. How dare you? Whether they did or not, that's right. going to be the response. Right. Um, a standard <laughs> response. Right. And then uh, as opposed to saying, well, let me look into it for you. Let me check. Um, can you recall maybe when you submitted payment? Something along those lines to give, to empower them to say, you know, turn it back on them and say, you know what? I did pay the six or whatever late day it was. And that's why I was just let them talk themselves into it. So, yes. Great example. I would say that there may be some people listening or who will listen to this podcast who say, you know what, we live in, and this may be for a future podcast, I'm going to come back to it. We live in too much of a PC world. If the person didn't pay on time, then I should be able to say, bitch, you didn't pay on time. Like, I don't know, not bitch, but like, like, I need to be able to say to you, well, maybe you didn't pay on time. Miss Rubeth, you didn't pay on time. I don't know who Rubeth is, but anyway, (laughs) I I should be able to say to the person without like tiptoeing around. Right. Some listeners may say, 
Anyway, go ahead. So give me an example of um, great tact. Well, then my second part of it was, I thought it was, uh, where I said, you know, Miss Jones, for example, uh, you know, at what point or what date did you submit your payment? How did you submit your payment? Um, let me look into this for you. Uh, and empowering them to sort of talk themselves into what it is they're looking to answer. And maybe sometimes they'll actually answer their own question by rethinking, you know what? I actually submitted it late. And so, yeah, and I was assessed that fee and it wasn't my fault. Is there anything you can do? And then just going about that, as opposed to saying, look, you B, you <laughs> whore B with a bad wig. Oh, you gosh. didn't pay your rent on I'm time. Not a whore B. <laughs> with a bad wig. Okay. And that you did not submit your rent on time. And this is why you were assessed X, Y, and Z. So just asking the question, um, what is it that you did or did not do to get into this predicament? So, okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Anything else you want to say about tact, um, appearance, language, timeliness, and or empathy? Timeliness, quick, I mean, just respecting each other's time. Whether it's, you know, any human being, just respect their time as much as possible. Um, Two dogs don't count. It's fine. Any living thing on the world, actually, living, living or not breathing or not living, anything, it's just anything, any form of matter. <laughs> any this, form of matter. In okay. this universe. Okay. Thanos, if you're listening. Um, a Marvel joke. Sorry, folks. Okay. Uh, and then empathy. You know, just underst- being understanding. Put yourself in their position or try to and understand that if someone has an attitude or an issue or seems to be visibly frustrated that maybe it's not you, that they're living their life and that they have a number of things in their mind at any given time and that they don't mean to attack you or criticize or be short, that we all have a moment in our lives where we're handling multiple issues or items in our minds and we don't mean to lash out at others. So that's a good segue into my last point and or something that will probably be for a future podcast. And I wrote it down because it was something that you mentioned earlier and that's about building trust. In order for people to, to my mind, have some level of empathy, well, actually not to my mind, I start out 100% empathetic with, with most people. Like, I, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. I start out 100% sympathetic with most people. I have a fairly good imagination. And I can sympathize, meaning I can generally imagine how that person must be feeling through most instances. Now, empathy? Certainly, I've never been pregnant. I'll never be pregnant. So I can't empathize. I can't feel what you're feeling when it comes to that thing. But um, in order for when you say empathy, I think there is some level of um, knowing what the person's gone through. And I would probably say in, in our current society and where we are in 2019 in America, the assumption the default position is that you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You have no idea. That's the default position, as opposed to it being like we're all in the same on the same level. We're all at least coming from we all have been children. We all have had some type of parent at some point. Right. Some people haven't. But like this, but we were all birthed at some point. And we all are living in a in the same society. 
the 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 issue comes in is in in that our perception of the society that we live in is vastly different particularly when it comes to privilege when it comes to how we move about the world so it's it can be difficult to build empathy when you believe that the person that you are up against or trying to build trust with has does not have the same life experience does not have the same level because then you don't know what i've been through so my question to you and for our listeners and probably for a future podcast is um and i have my own so here's the question then i'll answer it for myself and then i'll let you answer it and then we actually have to go because we're almost at an hour is how do you build trust how what is the what what are the baseline things that you do to build trust with with your friends with your family with people that you're trying to get with that you're trying to get to know what are the things that you do and maybe there are some unconscious things and then there are some actual um um very specific um fully efforted that's the bad that's the wrong word but like i'm doing this on a purposeful yeah that's the word i'm doing this on purpose in order to build a level of trust with you whether it's in the workplace socially or otherwise so for myself um i think that probably the number one thing that i do to try to build build trust with others is to allow myself to be vulnerable i try to let other people in to let them know listen I'm a full-on human being. I got some flaws. I got some stuff going on. I got some, you know, I'm not out here being trying to be perfect. I'm struggling every day. And I think that that endears me to a lot of people and it, it allows them to be like, well, you know what? I'm going through some stuff too. And we may not be going through the same stuff, but at least we're both going through stuff. Um, another thing is when you're when you're having a conversation with somebody, having a, some type of eye contact, as we're having right now. For those of you who can't, uh, who are not watching this, we're just listening. But having eye contact, that doesn't it in and of itself doesn't seem like it would be a thing. But when you're having a conversation with somebody and you are looking them in the eye, it they say the eyes are the window to the soul, whatever that means. But I feel like if I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm fully engaged with them in their eyes, it means that they are listening, they are actively engaged, etc. Um, and then the last thing, and if, uh, there are many, many other things, but um, the last thing that I will do, that I try to do as much as I can, is to um, build a rapport with the person by listening. And actively listening so if somebody starts to tell me something and it could be the most mundane boring thing that i if they tell me about how they got their accounting degree shout out to the accountants i love you but it's not my thing but if you start telling me about your accounting degree i'm gonna actively listen because i'm trying to build a rapport with you and i want i want to build trust with you and so i'm going to ask questions about well you know what was the third year of your your master's in accounting about how did you decide on um i don't even know uh, corporate tax law versus personal tax law whatever it is so i'm, I'm curious about how uh, what you do to build trust that's an interesting uh question um definitely you know uh, similar parts of what you mentioned, definitely eye contact, uh, body language, um, asking questions, uh, seeing how, you know, very small questions. It could be the easiest thing. 
Um, just asking questions to see how open they want to be with you. And then depending on your response or your reaction in whatever way that they feel as though they want to receive, um, you know, you can sort of, I feel like you can tell or I can tell anyways uh, by someone's uh, inact- or action or inaction whether they want to open up or whether they trust you or not, or just it may take a few attempts. Um, I know at work anyways, with the guy I work with, when I first met him, um, let's call him Joe Brown. Uh, not Judge Joe Brown. I said, well, I didn't say judge. <laughs> I just said Joe Brown. Uh, and no, we're not talking about Judge Joe Brown. Uh, that even, <laughs> Joe Brown was random, first of all. I don't even know, you know, you just thought of that. Uh, Joe Brown, or let's call him Rue Brown, um, is Rue. So, uh, Rue Okay, you know what? He had an issue with, um, asking for help at work he just he admitted he couldn't trust people he didn't know what people were qualified to do and what they would want to do and if they could, if he could trust them with what he assigned or delegated if at all possible or at all times this is somebody over you or under you under okay and so um i had to, you know i told him time and time again if you need something you let me know i'm not too busy to do whatever if, as long as i can physically do it as long as i'm qualified and certified to do it i will help you just ask for help let me know don't i don't want you to feel as though you have to stress yourself out or get out of breath or whatever it is so in time out of breath (laughs) well i don't know if he was running a marathon in the office whatever was going on but uh in time it took a few weeks and not a few months for him to say you know what i need your help with this after a few times of asking me to do something and i could do it for him to the to his liking or to the way it was supposed to be done then he would ask me more and more so it's just for him it was action it was that it was action and for me, it's action as well. If I ask you to do something or help me in some way or just listen, a conversation, everyone has their own way of doing things and a way of building trust or getting to that person. And so for him, it was action. And so I learned that, you know, you have to just understand what that person wants or needs and then go from there. But for me, it is about action. It is about tr- it is about just keeping your word. It's about honor, um, eye contact. So we're a little bit over time, but I, I don't want to cut this particular conversation off because I think it's an important one to have and it will um, probably permeate my future podcast. But OK, so we've known each other 17 years, however long it is. So let's talk a little bit about how you built trust with me, how I built trust with you. And um, I do want to touch a little bit, and I'll, this may be for a future podcast, maybe for a future guest, about broken trust and how once you've broken it, how, how you built that back up. So tell me a little bit about, about, let's talk a little bit about how you feel like I built trust with you and, and I'll reciprocate. Well, uh, with us, I mean, I definitely, I was definitely a, a back, you know, 17 years ago or 16 years ago, 18 years ago, uh, I was definitely a closed book. And maybe I am a closed book in some regard, but I, I'm more of an open book now. But back in the day, I was a closed book, and you found a way. You took the time to want to understand Paul. You took you took the time to want to understand me, um, as far as where I, I how I grew up, where I came from, why I was the way I was, why I didn't want to share certain things, um, why a simple conversation was the most difficult thing for me to have in the world, and now I'm on this podcast. Um, why phone conversations were maybe um, not to my liking, but maybe text was or 
in-person private conversations were better as opposed to group conversations, or there are certain topics I could talk about. So you took the time to go through these things, and that showed me that this is the guy that really takes to heart what you say, is going to listen in a judge-free zone, and, you know, go from there, and use it to better the friendship as well as you. So you know, so... (laughs) This is interesting. Cause, so you say a judge-free zone. Do you feel like you never got judged by me? Oh, I definitely got judged. <laughs> um, without, without even hesitating. But I say that in the way where I'm listening and maybe you didn't visibly show me. Like, your, your eyes didn't pop out. Your jaw didn't drop. Mm. You weren't flailing papers with, over what that means. Um, <laughs> but you didn't do that to where I was talking. And it was like, now we can do that and be like, oh, he's fine. He'll be fine. Um, but... We know when we're serious and we know when to hold ourselves. And uh, I didn't, at least I wasn't aware if you were, but I, I felt as though I could do what I needed to do and you were there for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then um, tell me a little bit about broken trust. I'm sure I probably broke your trust sometime over the last 17 years. And then I'm sure. I mean, it, it. It, there's been a number of times, a number Jesus. of times where, <laughs> and again, these are all, you know, these are in the woods, in the woodshed uh, to be released. Water under the bridge? Let's say water under the I'll bridge. I'll say in the woodshed. Okay. Uh, Sounds like a spanking. Well. In the woodshed. To be continued. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, sure, there's been a few times where I've, I've, I've said things in confidence and then they've come back and whether they were serious or not, I'm going to go into those things. They've come out and I'm like, okay, we're going to talk offline about that. Well, we don't need to because it's in the woodshed. Um, But so anyways, they've come out in public or whatever they've come out in. And I've said, you know what? It's, it is what, that's my best friend. And it's, you know, maybe they needed to things all have, everything happens for a reason. And so maybe they needed to, or maybe, it was the slip of the tongue, or maybe I know that there were too many vodka shots. I, it could be anything. It could have been anything, and I'm sure I violated your trust, as I know I have. And so it's, you know, it's not like tit for tat, but these things happen, and that's what makes the friendship uh, greater, I would say, and there's more trust. And So how did I, what did I do to rebuild that trust? You just were yourself. There's nothing you did differently. There's no reward or action. I mean, well, it action, sure, but you just were yourself. And I understood it was an accident. I'm it wasn't sure something. Must have apologized. Of course, I don't know. Well, that's <laughs> that's the first thing, folks. Um, but even if there was no apology, I know that it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't in spite of anything. It wasn't trying to get back at me. It wasn't trying to hurt me. Um, but we were having maybe a good time at the moment, and it just slipped out, or whatever was going on. Whatever happened, you know, we're here eighteen years later, and we're still great friends. So okay. All right, so as far as building trust for me, well, I talked about building trust. Our friendship is uh, unique among my cosmos because I don't have a person in my current life who I've been friends with for this amount of time. Even my one of my longest friends who you met, Denise, I've known her since high school. Um, and sure, I guess that was 18 years ago, but we lost touch for a number of years. Um, I have another friend, Jennifer, who you haven't met. She lives in Arizona, and I've known her since high school. And another friend, Justin, and I've known him since, and Justin and actually Brian, I've known them both since middle school, but I don't see, I, if I talk to them every day, I'd be surprised. If I talk to them every month, I'd be surprised, but we're still con- considered friends. So um, as far as building trust, um, 
for me, one of the things that you did or that you continue to do, for the most part, um, you guys can't see my face, but, you know, it goes back and forth, is that when you say you're going to be there, you're there. If I say, I'm in the hospital, I need you, you're there. If I say, uh, my car is broken down, you're there. And it's like no questions. Now, the thing is that the broken trust comes in in the instances when, like, let's say, 25, 30 times you're there. And then, like, that one time that you're not there, it's and you've done it where you haven't been there or you haven't been there in the, in the capacity that I haven't when I, when I, that I thought that you would be I was like well damn like what what happened to Paul where did he go like where why wasn't he there and it's interesting because um, a, a person can be there 30 times in a row and then when you're not there that one time it's like that's how you like, like that's how you know that's it's how you just well for some people I mean, we're still on the right track, but like it, you know, it shook me. It shook me a little bit, and it, 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 it for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm this guy who's gonna be like, yo, let me have a come to Jesus with you for a second. Like, what happened to you? Where have you been? What, what? I'm not just gonna just uh, be in my own feelings about it and not address it. I'm gonna say to you, this is how I feel about the thing that you did or you didn't do. And let's have a discussion about it. And you'll say, well, I, I'm sorry, or I didn't do it, or, I, or you know, I should have, or whatever. And then we can get past it. I think that when you talk about building trust, it's about not only owning up to whatever it is that you... Well, first of all, doing what you say you're going to do, right? As you talked about honor. Second thing is do, um, owning up to the mistake. If you can't do the thing that you say you're going to... If you can't be the right kind of friend... And we've talked about this, and this will be for a future podcast. I do this all the time. If we're going to be friends, here's what I classify being friends. Here's what I mean. These are the things. And I list them out for anybody who's going to be my friend, for anybody who's listening to this podcast. This is what it means to be my friend. XYZ, ABC, HIJ, etc. Um, and if you can't, then we can be acquaintances or we can be some kind of other something, but you can't be my friend. So when it comes to building trust, if one, do the thing that you say you're going to do Two, own up to the the mistake that you did. And then three, being able to forgive. I've done some things to you and you can say, you know what? That made me feel some kind of way. And you clench your teeth about it and we feel some kind of way about it. And then relax, relate, release, and we move on. And it's okay. And, And because our friendship is built on a foundation of trust, honesty, and like integrity, then we can move on and we can go on about our business. So um, for my future podcast, and uh, I'll I'll just end there um, because we're running vastly over time. Um, For my future podcasts, I have um, one of my coworkers who has become a friend. She's a single mom. Uh, raising three kids and we're going to be talking about her perspective um oh i don't know what you just said Uh, paul whispered something to me but we're going to be talking about her perspective um as a mom as a single person um as a black person um and a number of other things that i'm interested in her perspective because i don't have that perspective i'm neither single nor do I have an am I a mom? I'm not even a parent of any kind. 
Um, <laughs> I also have another uh, person coming up on a future podcast who is going to be talking about her her perspective as a um, a white woman who's a lesbian who is only singularly attracted to black women. And so, number one, first of all, why only? Right? Why are you only attracted to black women? I mean, that's many people. Right, but only? That almost seems... I'm just going to dot, dot, dot that. And then number two, she wants to talk about, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more. One of the things that she wants to talk about is how does she overcome the idea of white privilege, right? I'm a white woman with privilege, but I'm attracted to black women without the black woman not being all sassy and being like, well, you're just a white woman with privilege. I don't want you, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be an interesting conversation. Um, I have another, uh, a, a, a number of other people lined up, but I haven't quite solidified what I'm going to be talking with them about. But it's interesting because even just putting this out there and putting myself out into the world, the response that I've gotten from the few people that I've let, listened to this podcast so far, and I'm going to put make it public soon, has been overwhelmingly positive with some really great feedback. And I want to thank you as my co-host for being um, open and willing to have these conversations with me. I want to thank you, the listeners, to, uh, for actually sticking with us through what has turned out to be an hour and 12 minutes and I want to thank anybody who decides that they want to subject themselves to any of my future podcasts because I know that this can be a little deep and a little bit interesting conversation. Any last thoughts from you, Paul? No, it was. It was. I found it to be rewarding that I can I can sort of get out in the open what I've maybe been thinking throughout the week since our last podcast. You know, a couple of days, weeks, hours, minutes, even just talking now that things are just coming up in my mind. Um, the things I maybe wouldn't talk about otherwise uh, or as openly. So I'm glad that it's it's taking place. All right. Well, thank you so much. And this has been uh, another episode of Marquee Listens. I'm still working on, a, on that title. Hopefully it will stick. And uh, this is episode two. Thank you for listening and uh, like and subscribe for those of you who um, can do that. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you and good night. <laughs>